You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 449. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP449. there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hello, audience. Amy here. I hope y'all are doing just swimmingly. I'm thrilled to be bringing you another episode centered around boundaries, but This time, I am going to be dialing up another expert. I think that a lot of times when you're listening to one particular voice around a topic, you can start to know everything that that person's going to say. Like if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you've probably heard a lot of my conversations around boundaries before. And I think it can be so enlightening and helpful to hear another expert talk about those concepts because a lot of times the way that they'll explain things or possibly their formulas or step-by-step systems just land different. And you kind of go, oh, shit. Uh, The kids would say, it just hits different. (laughs) It's my attempt at Gen Z slang uh, or even Gen Alpha. Is that the new one coming up? Like the babies, the little kids? So I want to talk to you about my dear friend, Randy Buckley. She's going to be talking to us about boundaries. Hopefully, if I can get a hold of her, I'm going to give her a ring here in a second. But I want to tell you just a little bit about her. Before I do, I wanted to talk about what we discussed last week. So last week and the week before, I did sort of a two-parter inside of this boundary series where I discuss how to figure out what your boundaries even are, and then I do a deep dive into my three-part system around establishing boundaries. So if you have a difficult time sharing information, having tough conversations, asking for what you need, and you need some very tangible step-by-step tips and tactics that's a lot more than you just need to start speaking up for yourself. Okay, great. How the fuck do I do that? That's what I covered in the last two episodes. Please be sure to catch them. That's episodes 447 and 448. So let's see if we can get Randy on the phone. Let me tell you a little bit about her before we do. She's an internationally sought after coach, author, and mentor whose work helps folks find their truth and genuinely be at peace with it. She's created a couple of different programs. One of them is called Healthy Boundaries for Kind People. Hello. So up our alley over here. She has another program called Maybe Baby, which I think is the dopest thing ever. It's for individuals who aren't sure if they want to have a baby or not. And it's a real introspective 
way for you to dig deep and find what are the things that make the most sense to you as far as starting a family and helps you get rid of all of the noise of everybody else's fucking opinions, whether it's society or not. So anyway, I'm a huge fan. It's called Maybe Baby and also a program called The Deep. And she has coached at Fortune 5 companies. She's helped royals making exits. She has been a body double for Penelope Cruz. She's gone hot tubbing with the Grateful Dead and other true stories that people aren't sure they believe. (laughs) But she does have a very strong background in counseling and ethics. And in her free time, she untangles whales from fishing gear in Monterey Bay. So a really just dope fucking badass person. She also does not believe in writing in third person, but is doing so anyway in her bio. So (laughs) let's dial up Randy and see what she has to teach us about boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Hello, this is Randy. Oh, my gosh. I, I I was trying to find Randy. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's me, too. Hi. Oh. Hi. <laughs> is this Amy Green-Smith? This is. Hi, Randy. Hi, I'm sorry. You? I was right in the middle of my Viking reenactment group. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, uh, hold on. Let me, let me, let me tell them. Yeah, you're stuck with me, Amy. Yeah? Okay. This talk has hi. Yeah, totally yours. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm so good. That's fantastic. Uh, we, we're going to need to have a, a reenactment conversation off the line. <laughs> But so, so listen, I talk about boundaries all the goddamn time. And I thought I'm hanging out over here with the audience and they've heard me talk about boundaries for years and years and years. And I thought your work is so profound in that arena. I need to have you come on and share your specific nuanced approach to it. So do you, do you have a little bit of time where we could kind of dig into it and share your Yeah, genius? they're going to they're gonna finish tarring the Viking chip without me. So it's, it's all good. <laughs> well, I would hate to have you miss such a crucial event. No, it's actually really smelly. So it's fine. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that works out swimmingly. So the first thing I want to ask you about is this concept around mind reading in relationships okay. mm-hmm. and how that shows up in relation to boundaries. Talk to us about that. It shows up in so many ways. And the first thing that's coming into my mind, it, well, there are two things. The first is we think people should be able to read our minds because we see it as common sense. Duh. Why wouldn't you do this? Duh. And then we're, <laughs> or often common sense, or it's been something we've done so often, a thing we think people should just know better right now. And some people do, and a lot don't. Um, I remember my dad often saying to my mom, Nancy, I don't read minds. You've got to tell me what you want. And that really stuck with me to be able to express what those needs are. We feel like people should know, and consequently, our needs aren't getting met. For me, boundaries are one of my many uh, definitions for boundaries. Uh, boundaries are your needs. Boundaries are your values and action, all these things. And so we can structure it such, in such a way that our needs are getting met. Uh, through that particular infrastructure of boundaries. The other thing that comes to mind for me with this is when we can read minds and energy and kind of read the room into pretty much what everybody's thinking or doing, because there's so much empathy involved. And that's something that many of us hold very dear, that empathy. And empathy can become quicksand really quickly when we lose ourselves 
in somebody else's needs, or we lose ourselves in trying to caretake because we see a need, we think we have to fill it or whatever that is. So I've heard people say, well, I can see so many different perspectives that I actually kind of forget my own in the process. Sure. I lose mine. And so that's why I say it's like quicksand because we stand, we'll be willing to read somebody's mind, essentially standing with both feet in there, in that space while losing an anchor into our own. So it's a fascinating question and I don't want to sound, make it sound like that I think being able to read a mind is a bad thing at all, um, but we get to use context, nuance and discernment my holy trinity of trinities uh, that I really like and, and understand what that is really about. So there's a few things that came up for me as you're talking about that. Yeah. One is that there's this notion around especially in interpersonal or intimate relationships that I've seen a lot around mind reading that mm -hmm. we've kind of been inundated with the, sort of this fairy tale notion of mm -hmm. what intimate partnership would look like. So right. of course, if I have to speak up for myself or I have to really clearly spell out, here's what I mean by respect, or here's what I mean by Mm -hmm. romance, when I'm asking for romance, here's crystal clear exactly what I mean, that right. we're somehow losing, you know, we've kind of been mm -hmm. fed this rom-com notion. I mean, it's specifically, if we're talking about intimate partnerships, sure. that, that everything should just be intuitive and how that is right. such a fucking fallacy and <laughs> it can really destroy relationships that are totally capable of thoughtfully communicating with one another, but we've right. bought into sort of this bullshit, bullshit message. I couldn't help but think of that also with what you were talking about with empathy, that mm -hmm. there's some of these messages that we've received disproportionately, I think, as, as cisgendered women, people who mm -hmm. identify as, as female, yes. that I'm responsible to caretake for everybody else's emotions. Yes. And so let me jump in there mm -hmm. and make sure you're okay at all right. costs. Right. There's a difference between caring about somebody and having to caretake. And I, I, I did, I made a thing, <laughs> put that on cool. Instagram and I had people uh, writing me very mad about that. So I just want to say, this is where context is so important. I'm not talking about a situation where somebody is dependent on other people's care to live. I'm talking about when we identify a need in somebody or we, we see that need, we automatically assume we have to be the one to meet that need as opposed to just uh, just recognizing that it's there. We somehow feel it's incumbent upon us or a lot of us do to, oh, I've seen this, uh, uh, therefore I must be the one to fulfill this need. Yeah, sure, that's, sure. that's tough. And I really appreciate what you said about the mind reading in an intimate partnership that it feels like we're losing or that maybe it wasn't as good as we thought or whatever. Maybe you experience this too. I'll have people in, in that context say to me, <laughs> they don't, they should know better. They should know by now. Why am I always the one who has to bring it up? Stretch it out a little further. Why am I always the one who has to do the work in the relationship? That's one perspective, of course, but we, if it matters to you, then it's worthwhile. So that's right. You know, if, if it's bothering you, why, it's, why is it always me? Why do I have to express my needs? Because it seems to matter to you. Consequently, I think it's probably worthwhile right. to express that. Yeah. I think there was a, a an interview where Brene was talking about that. Our lady, our lady Brene of House Brown. <laughs> oh, yes. I have not heard her many of her interviews. So 
she was talking about a situation like that where she was talking to her therapist saying like, I shouldn't have to tell him what I'm needing and stuff. Right. And, and she's like, wow, it sounds like you don't believe what you need really matters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oof, what a great reframe, you know, to whoever that therapist that she had to say, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. If it matters to you, then it's worth giving exactly. voice to. And there's, there's a, a phrase that I repeat all the time, which is if it's worth complaining about, then it's probably worth taking action on. Yeah. You need that on t-shirts <laughs> because it's exactly, exactly right. If it's clearly bothering you and it's clearly thinking something you think should be happening. So then it's, it's on you to a great degree to try to make that happen. So I want to go back just a second ago. You sure. mentioned your Holy Trinity of boundaries. Can you say those three? I know you said context. I try to hold that lens for everything. So context, nuance, and discernment, because I think that's lacking a whole lot <laughs> when it comes to boundaries. It feels like it's either this or that. It's a very binary way of thinking, which I think is a way to get really set up for disappointment and frustration. This is brilliant because I, I'm sure you see this a lot too, when you work with folks who are like, just tell me the right way to handle the situation every fucking time. Just, and I'm like, it's a, it's a different right answer in every situation. And that's why it's called personal development because it's fucking personal and you Mm -hmm. have to figure out what that nuance is in each, each situation. So I'm curious for you, and the work that you do, how do you yeah. layer like these three elements into your work around boundaries? How does that show up? A lot of what you said, actually, really helping people understand it's a very specific and different situation. And then our capacity, which is a big part of what I also look like, look at in boundaries, our capacity is different on different days. We're hormonal. We didn't get as much sleep. You know, um, I, as I shared with you, I had several deaths in the family for <laughs> in a, a short period of time. Our capacity is very different. So when it comes to boundaries and I'm looking at that, I will think about, okay, what is the context here? Because, you know, I have this great, in in one of my courses, I have this image of Fred Rogers flipping off the camera. Nice. And it's, it's the picture I use to talk about context. With this picture, we're all like, what? Why is Mr. Rogers flipping me off, right? Yeah. But he's doing a little kid's game with a little finger kids game that you wouldn't have known just looking at that now. So I use that mm-hmm. to remind people, it depends on the context that we're talking about, looking at a situation. Mm-hmm. Nuance, it's not all or nothing. Boundaries are like a spine. They must bend and flex to support you. That means if it's if those boundaries are so rigid and you feel they have to apply the same way in all situations or you're a hypocrite or you're not consistent so then people won't honor your boundaries, that's another setup because we know from nature, if a tree, for example, is super, super rigid, if a spine is super, super rigid, that's not so great for the long-term health of that tree or spine. So by bend and flex, I mean really understanding the needs of the situation, the nuance of the situation. Um, there's a situation for me where I really didn't want to have anything to do with a family member ever again. At the same time, that family member was going to be at a family reunion that I wanted my son to go to because probably the last time I was going to see a lot of these people, they were getting older and I wanted to go to. So if I had had that rigidity with my boundaries and not looked at the nuance and the discernment and of course the context, I would have just 
She said, no way, that person's there, forget it. But I had to see what was a greater priority for me, which value ranked higher for me. And that was that my son could meet these people, that um, we, I could see these people. But and, and then I was able to set it up in a way where I had minimal, no interaction <laughs> with this other person. And I let people know that in advance. So I use that story because I think it really helps show that context and nuance and discernment and what that means in reality. That got to be able to bend and sway and ebb and flow. Before we jumped on, I was saying, I think we have a lot of similar work with different yes. monikers and different mm-hmm. metaphors and such. And, mm-hmm. and I have always referred to that as when, when self-help goes wrong, like there's a handful <laughs> of ways that when self-help yes. goes wrong and yeah. that's one of them. And I, I think Brene uses the term of uh, being a, a boundary bully. And what I'll see sometimes is where somebody's learned that, oh, I can actually take ownership of what I do and don't want in my life. And they almost overcorrect and become, they lose compassion or they lose empathy. Mm -hmm. And they kind of say, well, I'm not going to be able to make it because my time matters. And I'm just, I'm honoring me. And if you can't support me, then you might where it's going, okay, no, 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 no. We're losing the nuance of what Mm -hmm. it means to honor both you and me. Mm -hmm. And and that it doesn't always have to be this ultimatum or the either you win or I win, right. um, which, but it can happen that way. I think, especially when it's new, I'll see people at the beginning of the course, you know, oh, I can't have boundaries. They understand, they're starting to understand they're worthy of them. We've looked at the definition, come up with the definition that works for them. I am worthy. And then, okay, let me pick up the biggest situation of my life and work on it. It's like, no, we're not quite there yet because it will be that overcorrecting and overcompensation. And we'll, we'll probably feel very heavy handed even to them. And then it feels like it backfires. And why did I even bother? So I have multiple definitions for boundaries. And I like people to help people to find their own that works for them, even if it's aspirational. But my ultimate definition that I use is boundaries are the conditions you need to live the life and have the relationships you want. And those conditions are going to be different in different contexts. Can you say that one more time? Sure. For me, boundaries are the conditions you need to live the life and have the relationships that you want. Beautiful. And when those conditions are in place, you know, it's like we have paved the road for a a smooth ride, but it almost serves as an instruction manual. Hey, this is how you're going to get me at my best in my work or as a parent or in all of my relationships. This, and, and those boundaries might be different in different in those different relationships as well. Just to keep Yeah, I, I've, I find that some folks will have like no problems establishing boundary with mm-hmm. a sibling, but when it comes to somebody at work, it's, yes. it's just a shit show. And so, yeah. and, and I think that's also the part of the, the nuance of knowing that Spoiler alert, we're never actually done. You're never going to have to stop using your tools or having these places of self-discovery of like, oh, wow, I I was bulldozing the situation a little bit there in the name of boundary setting mm-hmm. when I maybe I do have a little behavior that I need to clean up. Absolutely. Um, but I'm really glad that you outlined that as a definition because I, I was curious Mm-hmm. how you did define a boundary because everybody mm-hmm. kind of has a different sort of description. And I, I've heard you have really great ways to size that up. I think at one point I heard you say boundaries are values turned into verbs. About, I said values, uh, your values in action. 
actually my little bumper sticker because oh, <laughs> I was sending them to people. So this is another way of boundaries and action. And then we take that value, particularly if it's a value that's missing from the situation. And then you can use that like a compass. Okay, what would kindness do here? Oh, how can I insert or inject a little kindness into the situation for me? What would, I have a, a high value of humor. Okay, what would humor do here? <laughs> how can we cultivate some more humor? So whatever is missing from the situation that you would like more of, I think that's a great, and you're not sure what to do. Look at that value and to the, to the extent that you can, make it a verb. I think also your values can really shine a light on why you're so pissed off about the situation to begin with. Oh, yes. The reason why we're pissed off or frustrated or mad is because the values essentially aren't being honored. Right. And that's what's getting, you know, riling us up. And then we're tired of it. And then maybe we're resentful or everybody just assumes we'll do this thing. But, you know, so what value isn't getting met there? What is what need essentially isn't getting met? You might have a situation with a, a parent like your mom where okay. you feel like there's you're really upset with her. Well, I'll take it. I'll take my own life, for example. Uh, okay. It's no shocker to mm -hmm. everybody listening that we have huge values differences, but sure. the problems that we have around values differences are that we would define them differently. So right. in particular, I think both my mom and I have very, very strong values around spirituality. Hers mm -hmm. is rooted in born again, evangelical, you know, sure. ideology. Mine is much more pagan or, you know, what she would term kind of of the devil. So, right. so Although we have that same value system, mm -hmm. it's defined radically differently. And that's right. where the opposition comes in. So mm -hmm. if I were to say something to her, like, or if I'm noticing that her, you know, inviting me to certain functions or um, buying me different books or things like that, mm -hmm. I can notice, I can go, okay, here's why that infuriates me so much, not just a boundary around our values, but right. or the value of spirituality, but also the value around respect. So Absolutely. I have a very deep rooted sense of value around respect. And I feel like if I'm going to extend that courtesy to you and not make you wrong for your belief system, I really want the same in return. And to right. me, that's the litmus test. That's sort of the jumping off point. Not only is it deciphering your values and why something maybe is getting stepped on and why you're getting so upset, but mm -hmm. then also how we might both say, oh, I do have a value around work ethic, you know, sure. like somebody you work with. Right. It's like, well, maybe we define those values differently. Right. Do you see that come up at all? Sometimes I think when, when it does to me, it's more of a question of semantics and then it becomes a little bit of a pissing contest of, well, my definition is correct. And yeah. I, in, in those <laughs> situations, uh, again, context, but I often find myself thinking or saying, you don't have to define your value, just live it. It sure would be nice if people were on the same page as, as us. <laughs> it would be radically easier, but generally they're not. So kind of in your boundaries garden, what I refer to, you can still walk out to the garden gate without letting somebody come into that garden, that space, and honor that value on your own. It's super cool when they reciprocate, but even if they're not, but if I go out to that garden gate and I can still be respectful to the situation and to myself, at least one of us is honoring that value. So consequently, respect is present. Doesn't mean I engage beyond that point with that person necessarily, 
I'm curious what you, how you determine or define what somebody's value is. Cause I could hear a mm-hmm. lot of people going, well, I've gone down so far down this people pleasing rabbit hole that I don't even know what I fucking value anymore because I just yes. live for everybody else. Right. And so how do you determine that value? It's all, how do you different. define it even? Yeah. So I, I think that values, you know, if we go back to that um, definition of boundaries, you know, what are the conditions you want in the world? What is, if, if the values were interior design, what would you want that space to look like so that you're feeling respect, so that you're feeling creative, your, your uh, love of beauty is honored or whatever those particular values are. Um, so they're self-identified in, the, in work. And I, I often give people the list of like, 700 that have been defined in the English language. And sometimes people have different ones. Sometimes they think, oh, I never thought of that one before. Um, and it's really interesting working cross-culturally how the, yeah. the, there are different words that come up um, for what people value as well. And also it's a snapshot. I don't think it has to be forever in different points of our life, parts of our life, it, whatever we're going through, we might have different values and that can change and evolve. I don't think that changes too much but sometimes the need for something might be greater at a different point in time. Sure. Sort of like a a season or something that's absolutely really Mm -hmm. being called for. That's interesting. I've always defined values as a component that must Mm -hmm. be present in your life in order for you to be fulfilled. Yeah. And then conversely, the Mm -hmm. absence of that element leaves you less fulfilled. And I can usually notice that if I'm feeling any number of uncomfortable emotions, I can usually pinpoint a value that's not being honored in some way. And what, you know, disconnection and discomfort we feel when we have a boundary that needs to be established, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, because I think it's that, that dance between do I either do what makes me happy or do I do what makes you happy? Right. And depending on if that was, you know, that your chosen defense mechanism as a child right. of like mm-hmm. making sure everything's okay. And that's how you kind of stayed safe. Yeah. That may be what you're leaning on now. And sometimes it's both. I love making other people happy or, you know, there's some aspects of that. So, you know, when, and I love that you're doing all that, uh, doing the people pleasing work too. And, and I look at people pleasing, people pleasers derive their self-worth based on what they can do for others. And at the same time, we also might enjoy helping others. So then it feels like this internal conflict of, oh, but I can't do that because then it's people pleasing or <laughs> it becomes very dramatic. Right. And so it, it's, yeah, there are lots of layers to it, but ultimately it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. There. And again, that's where I really appreciate that sort of tier of nuance that you brought up because mm-hmm. it really is a different answer in different situations. I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what, you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits 
And it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online. It will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery. And then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician, and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA-approved and CAP-accredited, which are the highest-ranking levels of accreditation. Let's Get Checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits by providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash bold truth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code bold truth, all one word at checkout. That's bold truth to save 30% on your first test kit. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com dot com slash speaking where they can get in touch with me because listen it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice take up space and advocate for their wants needs and opinions like yesterday and if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me <laughs> And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. Now let's jump back into today's topic. I would love to talk a little bit about this concept we've been discussing around people pleasing, but also how that is so tethered to emotionally caretaking for others. Or I think you've talked about carrying the emotional weight of right. other folks. And, you know, one thing before we jump into all of this, and I, I think you've discussed this too, that people pleasing is not, it's not always a bad thing in some, mm-hmm. you know, it's rooted in our 
primitive defense mechanisms, you know? So, you know, for example, if, you know, I'm somebody who identifies as queer and Mm -hmm. I'm in an environment where it's very clear that I'm not safe and that maybe I'm around a lot of people who are anti, anti anti-queer, that's probably not the time for me to get on my high horse and like have a big, strong boundary. And like, you can't speak to me like that. Like that might be a situation where people pleasing equals my personal safety. So again, that's why I think it's important to kind of go, okay, sometimes that really will serve you. And Mm -hmm. then there's other times when it's a detriment and it's costing you right deeply. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm curious, how do you speak then to navigating that pull? Because I find that a lot of people Mm -hmm. are trying to relinquish people pleasing, feel such the strong pull of, I must emotionally caretake for them. What do we do with that? Uh, The first boundary is safety. And when you get that example, because if we don't have that, we don't really potentially have anything. Um, so I was raised by a Navy SEAL. And so I was safety, you know, knowing your way out was always, you know, I knew the exits of every room, just how we went about things. So I really appreciate that, that sometimes people pleasing is, is we're actually less doing it to please others in that situation, but to keep ourselves safe. That's right. And there are times, and people pleasing has been so vilified by our industry. Yes. It's, it, it drives me bonkers. Yes. <laughs> but there are times when people pleasing can undermine your kindness when you're just doing it for the uh, approval in ways that are unkind to yourself. And I think parsing that out is a little bit key to, to deciding, you know, when do you relinquish it or when do you lean into it or whatever that might be. Ultimately, I think it, in what do you want to have happen in this situation? Is it, Oh, if I, if I, oh, I really want Amy to think I'm cool. So I, I'm doing all these things because she thinks I'm cool or, and you know what? We're also wired for people. We want people to like us by and large. That's not a mortal sin. Um, it's when those things call the shots and override our desire. I think that's when it becomes an issue. In the case, in the example you gave, your desire was to stay safe. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's absolutely fine. But when our behavior is overriding our desire or going to get in the way of having that desire feel. That's when I think we get to really look at that. So what exactly are you trying to have happen here? Yeah. Because so often we'll take long-term regrets, what I'm trying to say, over short-term discomfort. Yeah. And that's where I think we get to slice that open and say, what is the people pleasing about? Because you know what? There are people we want to have proud of us. And there are people we want to... um, love what we we do or we want their love are there other ways of doing that are there other ways so comes back again to context nuance and discernment but i think if we can look at it and really try to ask ourselves what do we want to have happen here and then edit out anything that's not in service of that i think we're going to get to the truth of a lot of things do you find that there are are situations that you see over and over again where folks are genuinely taking the emotional weight of others? Like any commonalities that you see that maybe people listening could go, oh shit, yeah, that's happening for me. Yes. So looking at that emotional labor, and in this sense, I, I mean, because there's so many definitions of this invisible labor, 
there's the, the original definition from 1983, I think. But then I'm looking at it as carrying the emotional weight of other people. We don't think they can handle some news. So we do all the things, all the work, so they don't get the news or to, to soften the blow of something that might have happened. Um, that's one way. I see this a lot with in, uh, intimate partnerships. You don't think your spouse can handle something or you don't want to burden them. And have the, You don't want to hear them complain. Again. <laughs> so you take it on like a backpack without them even knowing about it or uh, getting a chance to work through that on their own. And where I eventually end up, we end up when I talk about carrying the emotional weight of others, it sometimes also says, we don't think they can handle it. Mm-hmm. So well, let me take this on. Mm-hmm. And that sucks if you're carrying this really heavy backpack of the emotional weight of the relationship. And again, context. Sometimes if somebody's have, I'm sure my husband was carrying some emotional weight for me mm-hmm. <laughs> recently. And they don't get the chance then to work through it. They we might be to look dramatic, but robbing them of the chance to work through those things that could they could work through and metabolize such that it's not even present anymore or it doesn't have as strong of a pull or weight in the relationship. So I see that often with intimate partnerships. I see it a lot at work. Mm-hmm. There are two sides to that. So for entrepreneurs, I see it as, or you know, a lot of the people we know, I see that as ha- having taken that under-promise, over-deliver to the extreme. Because there's your livelihood's at stake. So you you carry things, you carry things, you carry things. So the other person isn't upset. I see that happening a lot. But then in um, more conventional workplaces, I don't know if that's the right term, but offices or (laughs) schools or whatever that is, we take on, we meaning most of us who are listening, we really tend to take on the, oh, this coworker needs to vent and I'm really good at listening, so let me vent or let them vent to me instead of, Oh, they're mad at this person. Let me go see if I can sort that out between them. Oh, you know, there are all these ways that we try to carry the emotional weight that we're often really good at, but it gets fucking heavy. Yeah, it does. After after a while. Yeah. Well, you know what, what came to mind to me when I was, as you were speaking, I was thinking about some of the same issues that I've had with, with my own family or with my mom in particular Mm -hmm. and how so much of it, I think is, I like to describe it as like dichotomous emotion where we speak up for ourselves and we sort of establish a boundary with somebody and we feel simultaneously super proud of ourselves, but then also so sad or disappointed with how the other person received it. Mm -hmm. And I know that you and I both call it a boundary hangover where it's, at least the way I describe it is that, oh my God, I I can't be with this discomfort. I can't have us be Mm -hmm. at odds. So I'm going to go in and take back what I said and just go (laughs) instead, instead of saying what's there of like, I really hate this space that we're in, or I'm so uncomfortable here and honoring Mm -hmm. what that is. We go, never mind. I can't be with this pain. I can't be with this pain. And that's to me, I'm curious if you feel this way is a piece of taking on all of the emotional currency, everything that's happening. It you're kind of going, I'm responsible that they aren't happy with my decision. Right. And, and I felt that a lot with Mm -hmm. really coming out as 
an agnostic atheist with my mom mm-hmm. and, and how ha- knowing that that is legitimately devastating to her and heartbreaking to her and Mm -hmm. recognizing that I can stand there and be so compassionate towards her and Mm -hmm. also recognize that that is not mine to carry. And that's, (laughs) yes, that's, and that is not just a simple soundbite from a fucking podcast. Like that, that has been decades of learning and relearning. Good for you. Um, do you see that? Like where oh, all the time. Yeah. Like in the boundary hangover, like, oh. yeah. So yes. And then what happens it? is people revoke what they said. I mean, you yes. that so well. And then we wonder why people don't honor our boundaries. <laughs> because yeah. it's a lot harder for other people to honor your boundaries when you don't honor them. Because your discomfort, you see the pain, all these things. And that wasn't your intention, of course, but it is a consequence of you know they're sorting that out maybe they're going to work through it and metabolize it and, and figure it out but in the interim it really sucks and we feel and, and then sometimes other family members turn against us why did you do that to her why why aren't you seeing your mother or whatever the, yeah. the case may be and then that compounds it as well and ultimately then if we retreat from that it's like we never said it in terms of them honoring the boundary and so what i I try to really get the point across that people don't have to like your boundaries they just have to they just have to honor them Mm -hmm. that's okay it's not it's not and you know those boundaries aren't crowdsourced and they're not um a consensus building exercise and it's okay if somebody doesn't like it them and that's where i think we really revert to people pleasing because we still want them to like us of course and then we think that's the boundary Right. Yeah. Right. Good for you. Uh, that I get what a big deal that is. And I'm Thanks. so glad that you are there. Well, and that, that actually dovetails nicely into our conversation about kindness. Um, mm-hmm. Because so my sort of trajectory was I had this very pivotal moment where I kind of came out of like, I don't believe in the things that you believe in type of thing. And then right. once that floodgate kind of opened, then it was like, I wanted to fucking fight about everything. And up until that point, I had really shape-shifted a lot and kind of just, mm-hmm. let's just not talk about anything, you know, keep up a facade. Let's just let you think I agree with you. Sure. Then the floodgates opened. Then I just became incredibly combative and adversarial. So yeah. I wanted to talk about everything that we had in opposition. Let's talk about gay rights. Let's talk about abortion. Let's talk about, and I'm going to, take you and just rake you across the coals. Mm -hmm. And I was mean and I was acerbic. And that was what really turned me on to this idea that you can actually be assertive and Mm -hmm. graceful and kind, like grace and kindness are sort of a a major tenet of my work and how I speak about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And So what I ended up having to do was going back and cleaning up the delivery over and over again, not taking back the content, which is, I think what we do most of the time, but to just say, Hey, I should have never delivered it like that. And that is what, what now has informed everything that I teach, which is, and and not always, sometimes I do think you have to get a little bit forceful about things. It depends on the context. context. Yeah, (laughs) of course. But a majority of the time I kind of look at it as this hybrid on one side is grace and kindness, you know, it's your poise, it's your eloquence, it's your compassion. And then on the other side is the assertive piece. Mm -hmm. And 
and I know you talk about this a lot with healthy boundaries for kind people. Mm-hmm. And I would love to get your take on the difference between being nice and being kind. Oh my gosh. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. And I, I do want to say you're really good at this. Oh, Randy, you're sweet. <laughs> I, really appreciate, I really appreciate this conversation. Oh, the difference between nice and kind. So first of all, I'm going to say that I, ha- I used to say this thing and then I found out the Buddhist had a version of it was much more concise <laughs> than I was. And they talked about compassion, but I'm going to just interject kindness as well. Your kindness is incomplete if it doesn't include you. Right. Uh, yeah. And they wait, said your wait, compassion one is more, incomplete. One more time. So your kindness is incomplete if it doesn't include you. Yeah. Right. So for me, then the kindness, you know, if we're looking at value and turn that into the verb, how would I do this in a kind way? How would I do this? Um, so it's an equation really. And I feel like it has to be balanced on all sides of that equation. I don't know if they have more than two sides, but <laughs> maybe in fractals they do, but, um, that, that kindness needs to be interspersed throughout. And then people get tripped up on nice and kind, the difference between nice and kind. Mm-hmm. Oh man. <laughs> so for me, nice has a place. And it's really common, I think, for nice to get completely bashed because when it's being a little dingleberry, it's a huge dingleberry. But for me, nice is manners. Mm. Nice is um, can be genteel. Nice is helping somebody feel comfortable. Polite. One day I came over for a cup of tea. You might bring me a cup of tea. Can I get you anything else? That's very nice of you, right? That certainly has a place. But that's where we take that comfort part. The difference between nice and kind, kind doesn't really care so much about comfort. <laughs> kind is about standing for your values. Kind is making sure that the equation is balanced on all sides. Nice won't rock the boat. Kind will do whatever it takes to make sure things are just and kind for everybody. And to me, that works with boundaries that if I'm doing something I don't want to be doing in hopes that you'll like me, that's not necessarily kind to you either. It's could you could argue it's manipulative it's totally manipulative i mean all behavior could be argued to be manipulative exactly in general people pleasing undermines kindness whenever we're doing something just for somebody to like us or whatever and sometimes that manipulation is really important for our safety you know get me out of this situation type of thing there was a couple things that came up for me with that i love that you just said people pleasing undermines kindness I've oftentimes said people pleasers are just fucking lying, <laughs> which I think yours is so much more Potato eloquent. Potato. <laughs> but I also, I also have a quote around constantly putting everybody in front of yourself as poison disguised as nobility. Oh, that's so good. And that's yeah. exactly, that's exactly this. We think yes. we're being so fucking noble by being nice, 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 nice mm-hmm. to everybody else. And it's, right it's not, it's, you're, no. you're it's inauthentic. And it's you know, disingenuous. We, Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly right. And when we yeah. talk about like the types of people that we want to attract into our life, nobody says like mm, a bunch of liars, please. That'd be great. A bunch of inauthentic disingenuous folks. It's interesting that you, you even said the phrase, did you say rock the boat? Yeah, I think, I think I you, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, th- I find it so curious that we have all of these idioms right. that are, now that I'm hearing you define nice and kind, all these idioms that fall under that nice category, like 
don't rock mm-hmm. the boat. Oh, don't open up a can of worms. You better sweep it under the rug. Uh-huh. All of those are nice idioms about mm-hmm. shut the fuck up and don't express what you genuinely need, which is kind. Yes. Yes. Or don't bring discomfort in my life for you to have some basic needs net. met. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Do that's you, very astute. Yeah. Do you work with, do you work with um, all genders? Like all, male, oh, yeah. female, non-binary? Okay. I, I tend to work primarily with women, but I'm curious, do you see that show up like the poll to this politeness, this niceness, this caretaking for everybody else at all costs in one general group like that, like more aligned with women? Absolutely. And I, and I do primarily work with women that seems to be uh, who's largely drawn, but I I'm, I'm want to work with anybody who would like to work with me. Uh, not if the people pleasing, just I love the work. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, conditioning for that. And often that was the, you know, the conditioning they got from their moms uh, about this is how we do things because their moms may have tried to rock the boat once or whatever that might be. And then it's like this code word, you know, don't open a can of worms. It's like everybody put on your mask. <laughs> so, right. right. Don't make it discomfort, you know, uncomfortable for our family. Don't bring any discomfort in here. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't that person. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had parents who generally appreciated that. And always like when they did it, but yeah. 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 I did too. That's interesting. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. I cannot believe that the time has gone this fast. I'm like, oh my gosh, I could nerd out over this for hours. <laughs> so maybe yeah. we'll ha- have you come back too. But I would love to know for folks who are out there listening and they're kind of going, damn, I know I have issues with this and mm-hmm. I have such a difficult time advocating for my own needs or speaking up. Mm-hmm. Do you have a good place to start? Mm. Like step one. Yeah, I think, and I think we may have uh, identified it, but what value is missing and how do I honor it? As if nothing else, it gives you a little bit of a compass. Even if you don't do that exact thing, it gives you a direction to lead in. Um, are you letting an unkind situation perpetuate by not speaking up? That's a really big one. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> say say that yeah. one more time. Say that one more time as an inquiry. Are you letting an unkind situation perpetuate by not speaking up? Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a phrase that I'm loving hearing your phrase and then how I say it, you know? <laughs> and I'm going, I always mm-hmm. say, don't let your silence make you a liar. Yeah. Oh, that's good too. You know, are there any situations where your silence is you're being complicit with something that's not? Yes in alignment with you. Before I let you go, yes, I need you to just give everybody a quick little rundown. This is a total left turn here, but about mm-hmm. your program, Maybe Baby, which I think is just so genius. Thanks. Maybe Baby was a process I took myself through when in my late thirties, after having had a, a lifetime of saying, kids, cool, not for me. Um, and I started thinking, oh shit. <laughs> Uh, and part of that was, I was more aware of time and part of it was, I didn't want to necessarily regret not looking at my truth based on what I had said earlier in my life. I was afraid I'd be a hypocrite. I was so feminist that I was, I 
going against my ideals. And so maybe baby was a process I took myself through to find what was true for me with the ideal of whatever that truth was, I would do the work to be at peace with it. So maybe baby now is a, a program I offer to people who are hear the whisper perhaps of motherhood or parenthood um, in their heart, but they're not sure. <laughs> they're ambivalent, but they hear that whisper, but they're not sure. So they want to explore it. And the goal of maybe baby is not to have anybody come to a certain answer if that if being coming a parent or not is for them um, that's awesome when that happens but it's more about finding what's true for you and then doing the work to be true uh, to live that truth so i maybe misspoke what i just said the goal isn't to help you find that that's true but the goal isn't help you to say yes yes <laughs> so, so many people were like you have a kid are you gonna just lead us down a path right i think there are places it's crucial that there are people who don't have children in the world that role of is huge and awesome and so needed. So it's something that we've had hundreds of um, primarily women do. Um, I used to run it live right now. It's a self-study program and it's, it's so dear to me really getting super true because it's that it's, I think it's the um, toughest conversation we don't have because one of them, at least because everybody has an opinion, what you should do. And it usually is because it also affects them. <laughs> um, friends, uh, if, if you have friends who are suddenly breeding, they want you to do it too, right? <laughs> they want to be lonely. <laughs> um, yeah. Parents, generally by and large, can't wait. But, yeah. you know, we have reasons. We might not feel that pull. Um, I've had worked with a lot of people who uh, had genetic disorders that they weren't sure they wanted to pass down. Schizophrenia was a big one that's come up for a lot of people, but also I work with a genetic counselor on that. Um, so we have lots of different perspectives. I have a, um, a sociology professor, genetic counselor, uh, Lisa Rankin uh, is interviewed in there to really just provide different points of view in making some of those choices for yourself. Oh, I love this. I told you before, before I rang you up through, maybe I was texting you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, because you know, I just <laughs> called you up out of the blue. Um, yes. That that I link to this program in in some of my inner circles and stuff because I think mm. it's such an incredibly important message mm -hmm. that we're oftentimes not we're not taught how to make that decision from a genuine internal knowing we're mm -hmm. taught how to make that decision based on a lot of other people's opinions. Like you were just saying, Yes. and, and what a liberating space to, to really honor and stand in what you want or don't want, or to just honor the answer right now is no. And mm -hmm. I'm open for that to change, you know, right. it's a little bit off topic, but it's just such a, a brilliant, brilliant offering that I wanted to make sure that we targeted that a little That's bit. So thank you. Of course. <laughs> Is there any, uh, anything else you want to throw out as far as here's where you can find me? Here's where I hang out the most. I think, I think you hang out on Insta, like any good self-respecting Gen Xer. <laughs> <laughs> You will find me on Insta. Yes. <laughs> um, and then there's my website, which if, if somebody wanted to subscribe to something, they could do so there as well. Yeah, okay. Which is Randy with an I, randybuckley.com. 
Perfect. And we'll throw all the links to that in, in the show notes. And you write a lot too, right? You have release articles and such. Okay. So we'll definitely make sure you can find Randy and fall in love, which will not be very difficult at all. So (laughs) thank you so much for doing this with me and, and letting me give you a a ring and interrupt some serious, did you say tarring a ship? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what we were doing. Yes. Either that or we were writing in runes. I can't remember. Oh my gosh. That's funny. I love it. I do uh, rune readings every once in a while. So I have a a place in my heart for that. So um, very novicely, not as a offering or anything, but, uh, but thank you. Thank you for your your genius. Oh my gosh. I'm glad we did this. All right. Well, I will talk to you later, my friend, and have so much fun uh, with your Viking group. That's right. Thank you and, so much. And I'll be in touch. Okay. Thanks, Amy. Bye. There you have it. I'm hoping that that was a helpful conversation to hear somebody else speak about boundaries besides me. You're, you're quite clear on where I stand. So I would love to hear what your takeaways and little nuggets of wisdom that you extracted from today's episode. Find us over on Instagram, that's where I hang out the most, like any self-respecting Gen Xer. You can find me under the handle Hey Amy Green Smith. Find the meme for this show, which is 449, this particular episode, and let me know what you're walking away with, what really landed for you. It's it's interesting because I see that there's all these downloads every month, but unless I actually hear from somebody, I'm like, hello? Is anybody listening? <laughs> Because of the medium, the medium is not highly interactive. So even though I know that there's folks listening, it's really a treat and a joy to hear from you. So scoot over to Insta and find me and and let me know. Next week, we're going to be talking about when not to speak up, when not to establish boundaries, and what to do when grace and kindness don't work. When you've been thoughtful and kind and eloquent and calm and it just has not worked out. What do you do then? So we're going to be talking about sort of weird instances in boundaries and speaking up and some of the stuff that we, we the nuance that we don't talk about a lot in the personal development space. So I do so hope you tune in for that. And I will see you around these parts next week. Please remember you are enough. Your voice matters. So please go out there and speak the bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you, bye.